Do you love watching sports highlights? Five Star, the world's first sports highlight rating app is here. Athletes and fans can share, view, and rate the best sports highlights between one and five stars. The app is comment-free and has athletes of all skill levels, even pros like Kylie O'Miller, Kyle Harrison, and the 2022 PLL MVP, Trevor Baptiste. Download Five Star Highlights to earn yours. An awesome guest this week on the Quintessential Lacrosse Podcast, we welcome in Lars Tiffany, head coach of the Virginia Cavaliers, probably fresh off a, a fall workout, I would guess. How, how's it going, coach? We are enjoying the fall as we normally do. I enjoy this time because I feel more professorial. I love the teaching of the game, the education piece. Um, you know, it's like we just want to keep learning. And if if I can keep doing my job well, then I've continued to create conditions for continued learning. And um, as you know, like if we want to have that growth mindset, let's experiment. Let's have errors. Let's let's be pro-learning not that we're pro-failure and pro-mistakes but we learn from mistakes so let's be pro-learning and I enjoy the fall because of that I loved as a player I loved the fall I still love it last weekend I was in Dallas uh, at SMU covering a football game Friday I found myself with a couple hours in the afternoon Jake Stover former Loyola and PLL goalies down there right now and he had a a shooting session with two young goalies uh, at Highland Park Middle School I joined him and we shot on these two young men on a beautiful, sunny Friday afternoon and just working on their craft, you know, just just working on inside shots, mid range feeds. Uh, it was it was awesome just to be out there, not stressing about games, not stressing about opponents, not stressing about results, but just trying to get better. It is wonderful to get away from the results. We all enjoy the results, and that's why the fans come to the games. You know, there's an unpredictability, and they want to see who's going to win the game. But yeah, as a coach, it's wonderful to have those the fall and those moments where, yeah, you're just there, like you say, with the goalies or me with the defensemen, short sixty middies, and and uh, especially when you get those smaller groups that we tend to do more in November, and getting those, the the small individual attention. Um, and to see the growth, boy, that's so rewarding, uh, certainly for the, the the men, the athletes we coach, uh, but certainly as well as a co- as well for us that we get to see the uh, the improvements. This is kind of a catch up session for us. I don't think I've talked to you since last spring. Uh, over the summer, I had the opportunity to read Bomber Mafia. Right now I'm working on uh, Arthur Ashe's autobiography. Uh that is a fantastic uh, days of grace. Uh, give me a, give me a book update coach. Yeah. Days of grace. I don't know this book. I'm going to have to jot that down myself. I'm uh, I've dived. I'm in two books right now. Uh, one is uh, creating a fearless organization. And um, this was just handed to me. So I'm just cracking the spine on it, but I'm already enjoying uh, uh, a few, few uh, ideas that have uh, rattled me a little bit. And then um uh, just for a little bit of fun, uh, the Mosquito Bowl, um, written. Uh, it's about the some different characters involved with World War II and a football game that happened um, on an island in the middle of the Pacific. But it's a fantastic book. Uh, I really enjoyed the writing. With, with your dad's military history, do you find yourself gravitating in that direction sometimes? I do, and uh, and maybe that had nothing to do with my dad, but uh, but probably strengthen that connection to it. But yeah, I can't I, I can't push away anything that has uh, the World War II for certain, and then certainly the Civil War being down here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Not that a lot of any, no action really occurred here in Charlottesville, but we're surrounded 
um, by many uh, by many sites of, of battle between the North and the South. The, the parallels between coaching and, and corporate leadership are many, but I think the, maybe the biggest difference is you get to hit the reset button uh, to a certain degree. You have about, I don't know, 75% of your organization back for the next year. And you almost get to start over in, in a lot of ways while building on the past. Uh, when you look towards improvement, what 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 are the focal points uh, in the off season in, ter in terms of trying to get better as an organization and laying the groundwork for your culture? Right, and it starts immediately when the previous season ends. Uh, to emphasize that point. In 2021, when we returned around 4.30 in the morning from East Hartford, Connecticut, having been fortunate enough to win the national championship, I told the team, fellas, I need you back here tomorrow afternoon, uh, June 1st, and we met around 2 p.m., and uh, we're going to vote for captains. And I want to let them know right away, we're already going to start planning for next year. But more importantly, that we use the summer to educate communicate and train our future leaders uh, most of them who are going to be a first-time captain sometimes there's a, a repeat captain but we i want to get that process going so then we use the summer to four zooms or so and uh, and we have a book the captain class by sam walker that we lean on and we provide readings through there to stimulate conversation um the captain class book by sam walker is fantastic for anybody who's going to be a captain and it's it's just a sports fan it's a good book too as well but i want to make sure that <clears throat> well those three months where we're in the true off season <clears throat> that we are preparing our leaders so they're in position to lead right away and not waiting for a vote in september because we thought the freshmen needed a vote um i used to think that way um so i'm just picking on my former self it's most important thing, Quint, is those first couple days, the first week or two on, on a college campus. Um, to be blunt, it's some of the most scary times as a, as a head lacrosse coach. Uh, what decisions are being made on the field, but even more so what decisions are being made off the field. And so the onboarding process is so critical for developing the mindset of these new people who are coming in and the returners. And it starts from the captains to understand that those, where are we taking these freshmen first? That, that's an amazing point. To go shoot or are yeah. we taking them to the bar? Yeah, that's an amazing point because it's like, hey, you're voted captain, now go lead. Uh, you know, stand out in front of the team today, right now, and and, and start your leadership without any without any kind of formal training or guidance from, from the coach typically. Exactly. And and that's haphazard at best. And, and you'll find some great captains that way, you know, on the job training, you know, here you go, see to your pants. Um, but we don't want it to be so haphazard. We want to make sure that we've got the best chance of finding success. And to be honest with you, there's usually one, you know, most great teams, there's one captain, even if three have the title. And if we can just find that one and what we're, what we've been fortunate here at UVA is we've had a couple who've really stood out. David Smith, 2019, John Fox, two years after that. And then um, right now, Grayson Soliday, short seek team media for us. He's, he's stepping into that role where he's got the backbone and the strength of character to speak truth to power. Fed up with the same old generic lacrosse clothing? Check out Hobo Lax, the new up and coming lacrosse streetwear company, making even the dustiest of players look drippier than a chocolate sundae. Visit www.hobolax.com and use code QUINT to get 50% off your first purchase. 
That's Hobolax, H-O-B-O-L-A-X.com. And the code QUINT, Q-U-I-N-T, all caps, for 15% off your first purchase. You, uh, a few Saturdays ago, you played Lehigh and Penn State up in uh, Centerville. I think that's off of 29. I think I drive by it quite a bit on my way down to Charlottesville. Uh, what what what'd you learn? You know, I, I heard your soundbite about maybe the energy not being where you thought it, it should be, but I'm, I'm sure after you look at the tape and, and, and sift through uh, the results and you, you come up with uh, three or four bullet points now, what, what, what was the, uh, what was the learning? What was the learning up, uh, you know, bullet points that you pulled from the, those scrimmages? Yeah. Well, the disappointment that comes from the basic fat, you know, basic, uh, idea that you are either the hunter or the hunted and lehigh was the hunter we allowed them to bully us uh on the loose balls and gain those extra possessions as you know we've been uh fortunate to uh to rank very high if not number one in the country many years with ground ball play and it's been a trademark um for many many years uh uva prior to when i was here you know certainly dom stars teams were tenacious off the ground and before that as well we um that wasn't us. And so uh, there was there was a really a, a disappointment there. But, you know, that was a good wake up call. We've tried to approach this fall with uh, do we need to smash into each other as much as we normally do? We have so many fifth years and we're fortunate to have Kate Southstad and Petey LaSala and Jeff Connor and, and others back. What's the fifth fall look like for them? You know, is it a fifth fall of lifting and a fifth law of running and a fifth law? You know, it's it, it can be a lot. And so I've tried to cater it a bit. Um, and unfortunately, we prove that we are 20, 22 years old because it's difficult with this age group to just turn it on and off. I've witnessed it when I've been to an NBA basketball practice, you know, but those are 28 to 30 year old veterans who can just the drills on they're 100 miles an hour. The drills off. They're, you know, they're relaxed, they're joking around, but then they can turn right back on. We did not do that. Um, and so what um, I came away from that that day with um, a bitter taste in my mouth. And um, and we've our, our, our men have responded since then. But um, it's it's something that we got to know every time we got to go out there and prove ourselves. And we will not be defined by a bunch of guys watching the other team pick up those tough balls and the other team be more physical. You bring up a couple interesting points in in a in a, a roster featuring really five classes. The the goals of the of the fall are going to be completely different as you said. You got fifth year seniors. I mean honestly, if if I had to come back for another fifth year, I would have been better off uh in London or Dublin Ireland during the fall uh in terms of my mental health rather than getting shelled uh, for <laughs> another for for another two months. Uh, but 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 uh, you got sophomores who now need to step into more predominant roles, and you've got freshmen who are learning the ropes. And if their seniors aren't there, that doesn't work. So that's got to be difficult for you to tailor the team schedule, the team goals, and knowing that there's so many different individual uh, differences in what each individual needs. You're right, and it's that's the juxtaposition that we're in. Like, okay, how do we get? these first years and a lot of the second years, the sophomores, uh, some redshirted, some didn't play much. They need more reps. How do we create this fulfilling uh, opportunity to grow with a lot of practices and training? And we just, it's wonderful to see that growth versus Kate Southstead. 
that guy, he doesn't need to take uh, 100 one-on-ones this fall. And how do we balance the number of reps that Petey LaSalle is taking at the faceoff X? You're right. But we're trying to build a team. Yeah. We want everyone together and that mindset. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's a balancing act, it's a juggling act, and I enjoy it. And we're not going to get it. We're not going to nail it uh, right exactly. You know, we have ideas. Um, you know, we put in some ideas and then we try to figure it out. And then we course correct and we adjust a little bit here and there and continue to try to make it better. But, um, but yeah, the overall theme though was I just don't think we played it with the aggression that has defined the teams of UVA in the past. And what that means is, we didn't have enough penalties and we didn't have enough turnovers. And now that may be uh, counterintuitive to mention, but the teams we've had here, we've had more penalties than our opponents every year. Um, at Brown, we had more turnovers than just about any other team in the country. But we're not football. Turnovers are, are not death. Um, penalties, you have a man down unit. All right, go, go stop them. We have good goalies here. Um, and so I just the value of the aggression that comes from the turnovers that you've, that you commit or the penalties you commit, there's value on the upside because of that style of aggression. Yeah. This, this fall, one thing that stood out to me is injuries. You, you guys were without a, a handful of, of players for your competition, whether precautionary or, or whatever. Are, are we just covering injuries more than we ever did? Or is the game more violent? Are players not training? appropriately uh what's the deal with injuries coach because it because it seems like it's a big storyline it is a big storyline and and this would be just one man's opinion without a lot of data behind him but you know you as you asked me the question i'll do my best to answer um we're bigger we're faster we're stronger yeah we're all hitting that weight room hard um we're doing uh cleans and snatches we're moving weight fast heavy weight and above we can make more physical contact um combine that with this single sport the same and then thus the single use injuries that occur oftentimes when someone has just been playing one sport um every college across coach i know will say we love the multiple sport athlete but that doesn't mean there's as many as out there as there used to be because we understand that soccer wants their athletes year-round basketball wants their athletes year-round so there's fewer choices for the high school lacrosse player possibly to play multiple sports uh football is always an option but then you got to deal with mom and dad they may not want you to have that risk of concussion um so we're running into more and more single sport you know, fantastic lacrosse players out there and um and and there are the overuse injuries when you're just doing the same motion repetitively but yeah the weight room we're smashing each other um I'm not blaming the officials, so let me just temper that. But the way the game is adjudicated now, you know, compared to when you and I were playing, man, you can chop the heck out of people. You can cross-check the shoulder really hard. Um, and and we're trying to protect ourselves. You know, All of college sports and pro sports are trying to protect the, uh, the, the targeting of the head. Um, but we're just running into each other a lot harder and faster. Um, but and really what I want to get down to, Quint, is it – I look around the country at different sports and look here at UVA at different sports. And now that college football and probably pro football barely tackle anymore in practice, right? They're just doing yeah. mostly thud. Yeah. I'm starting to think what sport has as much physical chopping, slashing, banging in a practice as men's across. 
I don't know. Hockey, if there is. Yeah. Hockey would be the only one maybe parallel. That's about yeah, it. Exactly. And, and I'm sure hockey's physical. Um, there's, there's some value to terms of colliding on ice instead of pounding, but yeah. And I just don't know enough about ice hockey practice, but I'm, I'm sitting there going, okay, so here's, here's the crux of it. How do we get a full value out of a practice without using a six foot stick and chopping and defending and ch chunking with it? How do we get the, everything we need without, you know, um, without hurting our guys? And I have an answer. Obviously, obviously we're not doing a great job this fall though. We, we had about 10 guys come in hurt, um, but we've, we've had a few others. Uh, higher or not higher, but uh, utilize a scout team of of complete walk-ons that you can beat up every week in practice, like football. Yeah, right. That's a good point. Yeah, you know, and uh, um, yeah, get, get, as, as women's basketball teams uh, and women's volleyball teams around the nation use men, you know, to bang in those guys. That's right, and, and have those guys bang into your um, into your athletes, so they so you harden up your athletes, and that's because we are trying to harden our athletes, get them prepared, so. You know, the first time they get chopped hard, hopefully isn't the first game, you know, when we open up with Michigan. But, but you know, how many times do we want to slash Connor Schellenberger in practice? Um, and so, yeah, finding that balance, uh, it, it's it's a little tricky because, yeah, the, the injuries just seem to be more prevalent. And um, I just... Um, and I just, I just wonder the way we train, we just got to keep evaluating. Can we pull back on it, but yet still have our many, our men prepared on Saturdays, like college football does. Those guys are out there flying around, smashing into each other. Can we be prepared to tackle without tackling in practice? Essentially. You, you mentioned uh single sport. We're, we're living in a single sport country right now, it seems, but you do have the ability to recruit multi-sport athletes. H how do you find them? Is it getting more difficult? Uh, many times if they're true multi-sport athletes, they're not going to be at certain showcases. Uh, they're they're going to be in season, anything in the fall. A lot of times during the summer, maybe they're, they're doing something else. H how do you find the multi-sport athlete in this current climate? Yeah. You know, it's communications and relationships with high school coaches and club coaches and, you know, having that network. Kip Turner does a fantastic job for us. <laughs> you know, everybody's willing to talk to Kip and share ideas, but I, I, yeah, the quest for the multiple sport athlete. Now, luckily, I'm not so hell bent that you need to play multiple sports that I totally ignore you. If you only play one sport, um, Dylan Malloy, Joe only played lacrosse at St. Anthony's Connor Schellenberger only played lacrosse in high school. Um, but I will admit I'm still, if I'm sort of torn between two athletes that look the same, smell the same and one plays multiple sports and one doesn't, I'm, I'm going to go to that multiple sport guy. And uh, I'll admit too, nothing bums me out more than when we commit to a, a young man who plays multiple sports and then he quits the other sport. And I'm Ugh. like, oh, you're killing me. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, you know, those other sports bring different, ideas, you know, cultures and, you know, football, that that's a toughness one. That's, that's one that you just, you love to read about what's going on in that football locker room and then the forces of nature that smash into each other and that, the courage to be on that field, the basketball, you know, and the best athletes in the world are playing basketball and football and soccer for millions of dollars. That doesn't mean you're going to see them in high school, but you might see a different level of athlete than you will in fall ball lacrosse. You are going to be better prepared when you show up in college, you know, and using UVA as an example to go against a UNC or or Duke midfielder, if you've tried to tackle 
an elite athlete on a football field or defend on a basketball court, that type of next level athlete. In the past, I got a couple items and I do want to go over your uh, couple guys in your team, see what the, the too deep, not the too deep, but some of the personnel updates. Uh, but first, uh, a facilities update, because I because I know that's been brewing for a, a number of years now. What's the latest on on the UVA lacrosse facilities? Yeah, well, there is a large hole on the athletic part of grounds here at UVA, and uh, we're ecstatic. As I look out my window right now, I see uh, a couple excavators, I see bulldozers, I see dump trucks. Uh, we have started the process. It's, uh, it's a, it's a three-year process, and it's going to encompass both a football operations center and an, an Olympic sports center. And um, uh, lacrosse is thrown in the Olympic sports, even though technically we're not in there in the Olympics yet. But we're, uh, we are finally making progress. It's been a couple of years, and so uh, it, we're off and running here. Um, and uh, we're ecstatic uh, because our, our current conditions – are not optimal, but I will say we're pretty close knit over there in the training grounds, <laughs> the euphemism for what we have, but it's, um, yeah, there's a light at the end of the tunnel finally. And we're really, really thrilled about that. As I'm sure is Tony Elliott um, with the football, they'll be done in, in uh, hopefully 24 months. The transfer portal and NIL are big storylines in college sports. Uh, a lot of people don't understand how much money, is truly being made in NIL. If, you, if there's a couple of websites that attract these guys, and there's many players with more than 400, 500 to to a million dollar deals. But I want to ask about lacrosse specifically. Uh, what what are the what should the expectations for young high school athletes or their parents or what do you think the future of NIL is in the sport of college lacrosse? Right. To the, to the first part of your question, there isn't a public site. You know, it's interesting with the transfer portal. You know, everyone who's thinking about transfer and they're in there, they may put on a tag like do not contact, but you know, anyone and everyone who's in a transfer portal, then you can go over to this other area, NIL, and, and there is no share. There is no public share of information. It, it's all just rumor and conjecture when you hear about someone who's got a deal. Um, and so it, it would be nice to publicly share, but of course, that's not what happens in this country. Um, if NIL stays around in its current state, and, you know, what's interesting is because what last summer when this all became available, July 1, 2021, um, you know, immediately, you know, all the naysayers, it was, it was not allowed. All the, and all of a sudden everyone, you know, administrators and the like around the country, like, oh, this is a great, you know, okay, it's all good. No, now we can do this. This is great, you know. Um, and, but not the last couple of months. People are starting to change their tune. Like, okay, we're happy that athletes can do something that all Americans are supposed to be able to do based on um, the founding fathers and the declaration of independence and the constitution and what the institutional constitutional rights are, make profit off your name, image, likeness in a free democracy. And, you know, when the NCAA got out of the way and, you know, the court said, you can't stop restricting this. It's guaranteed by birth as an American. This is what we have now. But, Yes, people are like, yeah, this doesn't feel so good. But let's assume for, for the question that it stays in its current state. You're gonna, I will, I think we're gonna see more and more lacrosse players um, earning deals. Right now, the typical college lacrosse player who is earning some money might be in the three-digit, and if they're lucky, four-digit category, maybe a thousand dollars. 
Um, are there some in the five digit? Yes, I think there's a few. Uh, you know, it's the other sports, they're the big money football, basketball, and then the one offs with a gymnast or something ever making, you know, six to seven figures potentially. But I, I do think it's going to be a part of our sport moving forward. And I do think you're going to start hearing about more four to five digit deals in the next year or so. And then the question is, if it continues in its current state, will we get to the six digit deal? Um, it's an exciting time to be an athlete. It's, uh, and as you know, it's not always based on how good you are. It's really how much attention, how much eyeballs are you driving towards your social media account? Um, and so sometimes it's, it's not your best player who might have the biggest NIL deal. It's your, uh, it's your third string goalie because he's really funny or he does some really cool stuff that he's got a hundred thousand followers. <laughs> yeah. Benefits the flashy. Uh, I'm looking right now at, at my, uh, UVA 2022 board, which will be retired uh, in, in, in my, uh, in my fault, you know, my file folder over here, but I do want to go through some of these guys. I have a question uh, on some of your seniors who decided to come back and who has moved on Matt Moore. Obviously I saw him play in the PLL this summer. Uh, he's no longer with the program uh, outstanding career. I thought it was really cool how he, how he uh, set that record against uh, Lafayette. Yeah, that was a, that was a special moment. And, and we, we absolutely miss him. And uh, I was really, really happy for him the way he, he, uh, he was able to jump into the professional league this summer and really make a strong impact as a yeah. midfielder. I thought, it, I thought it brought out his best, you know, he's, he's so talented. I, I think there were times when he looks like he was almost coasting, but not as a pro, you know, this, this stretched him and pushed him and made him better. Uh, I thought he did really well. Two seniors. I got questions about Jack Simmons and Jeff Connor. Are they back? Jeff Connor is, he is yeah. here. Uh, Jack Simmons is in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, right at the last second, he had a job all lined up in Baltimore, Maryland, in the finance industry he'd secured. And, and then he learned very late, maybe May or May, maybe May, that he gained admission into Notre Dame's uh, uh, an MBA program. Wow. And, um, and so he jumped to Notre Dame and, and he's taking an opportunity to actually play some lacrosse as well for uh, Kevin Corgan. Ooh, interesting. Uh, Evan Zinn was a grad student last year, as was Jack Peel. Are they both gone? Evan Zinn is back. Evan he is, is really. He has a, he, so he's using a COVID fifth year? How about that? Evan graduated from your alma mater in three and a half years. That's amazing. Yeah. And so that's he was here for his fourth spring, and then he's got a COVID extra year, and then we're fortunate to have Evan. And the improvement is very noticeable when you, when you jump in in January with a team trying to get to know everybody, get to know the schemes, especially defensive schemes. It's hard. You know, we, we were able to utilize him and his speed and, uh, uh, but it's really rewarding watching him grow this fall and understand our everything that we're doing on the defensive end, and uh, and we're gonna you're gonna see a lot more of Evans in this upcoming spring, and then um, and Jack Peel did move on. Um, yeah. He's on the West Coast, got a great job in tech. Good for him. He's got yeah his master's in data science. Uh, he always talked about how smart he was. So you yeah. got the entire the entire D comes back: Sawstead, Kastner, Matsui, George Fulton, uh, Scotty Bauer, Ben. Uh, I got a Mitch Whalen back as well. Like that's a lot of good looking poles. We, I know long, tall, uh, you know, the cameraman has to back up to make sure they don't cut off the top of their heads. It's a, uh, it's a big crew. Yeah. And we really brought everyone back. Um, and so uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. And we add 
to Malachi Jones from McDonough and uh, John Schroeder from Northern Virginia. Um, and uh, the two of them are working into the system. So it actually, Quint, a lot of my years here, we've had 10, maybe 11, six foot sticks uh, in terms of defensemen. And it's nice to have a little bit more depth this year. Petey LaSalle comes back as a primary Fogo. Matt Nunes is now a sophomore. A couple guys on offense I want to ask you about. Number one, uh, Connor Schellenberger, still trying out with Team USA. Uh, what what's what are you seeing from Connor? Um, we're seeing we're seeing him lead. He's now a captain, and we're seeing him work from within the program. And uh, you know, it, it, he has a chance to be a two time captain because he'll be back next year. Connor is focusing sort of on the one-on-one relationships, working with the younger offensive players, guiding us offensively. And I'm seeing him do that. It's a tough balance though, because you're right. Every one of us would trade spots with him saying, I would love to be at the U S men's national team tryouts and to be missing a practice or missing whatever Um, that takes away from him in his role as a captain for our team. But we, we understand it. We get it. And he's balancing both really well. Um, and so, but it is a challenge. It's, 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 it's really difficult. It's physically, it's a challenge. Certainly when we played at Centerville last, you know, last weekend when, you know, he had just, he was, he was up with in Baltimore at Sparks, Maryland for two days, Friday, Saturday, then he was running around with us on Sunday. So he's asking a lot of his body. Uh, I will tell you, he did not play well that day at Centerville and he knows it. And the way he's practiced since, you know, it lit a fire in himself. He was not happy with how he performed, and he's been uh, a different level the last week and a half. Before we wrap this up, I do want to ask you, you've got some flexible pieces on offense, guys like Griffin Schutz, who's now a sophomore, Xander Dixon, who's a redshirt senior. They can do a lot of different things for you. How do you best utilize their skill sets, you believe, in, in 2023? You've, you've got them right to the heart of the matter you know, all summer. Who's the third guy? Assuming Peyton Cormier and Connor Schellenberger. Who's the third guy? You know, what some days I was, I'm leaning towards Andrew Dixon. So slick, so savvy. Knows where to be off ball, find space, put the ball away, put the speed right on someone's stick. Or do you want the bulldozer? You know, Griffin shuts. So we have the two quarterback system, which we've been very fortunate to have. Whether it was Kraus and Moore, Schellenberger and Moore, and now could it be Schellenberger and Schutz? We go back and forth with those two guys. Um, you know, those two are someone is going to be an attackman out of those two, and one's going to be a midi. You know, and uh, there's there's advantages to both. Whether you, if, if Xander's the midi, is he coming down? Are you going to put a short stick on him, or he's going to be a, a difficult to deal with as an invert or inside? You know, finding space. Um, you know, if we put shuts up top, you know, it looks like Sam Handley. We could have him last guy out running downhill uh, out of the box, going really hard straight to the goal. You got a strong team, coach. I got to tell you, high expectations coming from here in uh, Pikesville, Maryland. <laughs> well, thank you. And, 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 and I try, I try to be different. You know, a lot of it's easy to coach speak. Um, we do have an opportunity here. The, the pieces are here. And, and that's what was so frustrating in the Centerville because, you know, the things we can control um, are, are what we did with against Lehigh and Penn State and, and, they, 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 we didn't get what we need to be able to do. We need to get those extra possessions, you know, and, and that's, you know, it's it on paper, if we look like a championship team, but we got to do it on the field fellas. And so uh, we got into our, we got into each other pretty good last week, you know, in the film sessions. Um, and so uh, we can't let great expectations uh, steal away our motivation and our verve 
to uh, to just continually be the best team and the most tenacious team and a team that's hunting. And again, as I talked about, the aggression, fellas, penalties are okay if they're if they're acts of aggression. You know, turnovers are okay if they're because we're we see something. There was an opportunity, and we move on if we throw the ball away. Now we get to ride. We just got to play with that edge. The hungry mindset. The hungry mindset, coach. Thank you so much, uh, Lars. I really appreciate your time today. Always good to talk with you. I'll have to check out some of those books. Again, it's uh, Arthur Ashe, uh, Days of Grace, the last chapter you have to read. Uh, it's it's when he was diagnosed with AIDS after having the open heart surgery, and he wrote yeah. uh, he, he wrote a letter to his daughter, uh, knowing that his time on earth was was limited. It's uh, if, if you just get the book for, to read that last chapter, that would suffice. All right, I'm jumping on the internet when we hang up here. Thank you for that. That's uh, and if you like tennis in the powerful. 70s, uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s, uh, it, it'll be fascinating. Also, there's a lot of uh, Connors, Borg, and McEnroe stuff in there. Oh yeah, McEnroe with his fixed mindset, throwing his racket. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Davis, Davis Cup blow-ups back back uh, when McEnroe <laughs> back when he was in rare form. <laughs> we all, as coaches, we have those moments. We try to limit their job McEnroe moments, but uh, <laughs> can laugh when he's doing it. Um, Thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you for the interest in UVA lacrosse. And I always enjoy our time together. Happy Halloween. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you this winter. Great. 